0: Before the podcast begins, I just want to take a second to thank everybody for listening to the show. We really appreciate it. And please stay all the way to the end where I'll have a special announcement about a Christmas toy fundraiser that I'm doing. Thanks again, and I hope you enjoy the episode.
1: And welcome to making our way podcast where we take a deep dive into the projects and creative process of our fellow makers. I'm awesome. And I'm excited to be here with you with my friends, Dean and Christy. Hey guys. Good to see you this week. Hey guys. Hello. Dean, what have you been up to? Um, not too much. Just kind of
0: some general housekeeping, trying to take care of the weather, but I built my maker pipe project on Friday So uh, the Grant Alexander hooked me up with a deal. Maker Pipe does a uh, pass the kit project where you build something, then you pass the kit on. And uh, I told Grant I would do it, trying to force myself to make another YouTube video. So I I built the project, shot the video, and I'm editing it right now. It's my first time editing in Premiere. So it's going a little slow because I'm trying to figure out the ins and outs. But I have all the files, all the shots shot and all the files done and i wanted to mention on here so this was the first video that i followed you know the suggestion of several guests we've had and i made a shot list ahead of time i need to get these mm. shots cool. and then before i started building i just went down i was like okay i need a shot opening the garage i need a shot measuring in the garage i need a shot of putting these two together i need a shot of unpacking and i just did all those standalone shots and then i went and built the project over the next hour or whatever and i think it's going to make for a a better flow of the video. I'm not going to have to cut and splice and figure out where this, that, or the other is and dig through hours and hours of footage. So I was, uh, it was a pretty good process. So if you're going to get into YouTube or if you're doing YouTube now and you've never tried it, uh, try the, sh- the shot list out. It, um, I, it really, I felt helped progress the project. And if you're curious, I did make one Instagram post of the project. I am going to obviously eventually get a video, but it'll probably be two weeks before I get that done with Austin camp coming up. Um, but basically what it is is, so we have a one car garage and my wife has a Jeep. I have a car in the garage and we need it somewhere to put the top for her Jeep. Um, they're surprisingly big. I mean, it's the size of a car, you know, it's 60 inches wide and 45 inches deep. So they make racks and, and holders for these things, but I still didn't have the anywhere to put it even on a rack or a holder. So we use the maker pipe and built a stand that rolls over the car that's in the garage now so we actually could roll the stand to her jeep we took the roof off put it on top of the stand and then we rolled that into the garage and uh, it came out pretty good you know it's obvious i'm not a industrial engineer there was you know there are some support things we had to leave an end open so that it would roll over the car and that is a natural failure point um or at least a weak point so i i put a pillow over the window so if it were to fail you know maybe i'd save the car windshield but um, it's, it worked the day we needed it, it worked. And so coming to a YouTube studio near you, what's, uh, the maker pipe connectors, what
1: are they made out of?
0: Uh, there's steel powder coated okay. steel. Um, so they have, a they, the kit they sent was, it was a full tool kit. So it had the, you know, manual pipe cutter. Um, and then it had the Allen key to tighten it. And so the different styles could have one or two bolts but there's a notch on one end that'll hold the nut so you just have to tighten the bolt and it's a you know hex head or allen head bolt that uh screws together i will say you had to tighten them to get it tight and if they weren't tight the pipe you wanted to slide out that's just the way they were designed um so there was some growing pains and uh but i I mean here was the advantages i never had to measure an angle because the connectors are already the angle so I wasn't sitting there hmm. making sure that, Oh, this cut is this angle, or this is exactly 90. I mean, it's metal it's, it's 90. Um, so that was nice. And then the other thing is a 10 foot piece of conduit is $9, which is more than a two by four. But when I'm buying six of them, I can carry six, 10 foot pieces of conduit. I can't carry six, 10 foot two by fours. So it actually was a, it actually was a, easier material to work with i didn't have saws i didn't need i didn't need any tools everything i did was with the manual tools they provided i didn't need saws i didn't need drills i didn't need you know pilot holes i didn't have to do any of that stuff i didn't have to buy screws so um it was it was unique nothing i'd ever done before but i'm glad i know it's out there now because if i ever wanted to do an awning or something that's going to be outside going to be metal um outside of welding which you're not, you're not supposed to weld galvanized pipe anyway. So if I wanted to do this, I, you're probably coming out way ahead versus buying standard metal, which you smirking at because you probably got <laughs> Dane Bramage from welding on galvanized no, pipe. No, I heard,
1: just heard it's cool if you pull your t-shirt over your nose. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'll leave you wear a bandana on top of it too. Enough of me. Christy, what you been up to? Uh,
2: wedding. I know, yes, yeah, uh, wedding stuff but I've been loving on my cricket a ton um, this last week. And I'm going to be curious when we talk to uh, Carly here in a little bit, because she does calligraphy. I can't do anything by hand. So I've been using my cricket and um, one of the projects in particular that we're doing is, you know, like when you guys, when we get, when you get married uh, everybody signs a guest book because that's what everybody does. But what do you do with that guest book whenever the wedding is over? You stick it on a shelf and never look at it again. So what we're doing is actually one of the walnut slabs that we cut a year and a half ago up at the farm when we were using the uh, chain of uh, the Alaskan mill. We uh, we took it out of the the shed and it is dried really well. So we planed it down, smoothed it down really good. And then I'm gonna uh, use my Cricut and write a saying on the bottom. One of the, one of the sayings that we've repeated through a number of the uh, things related to the wedding. We're gonna I'm mean, gonna use the Cricut and paint that on the side of the slab. And then everybody's gonna sign the slab. And then we plan on hanging that up on the wall as like a wall art or wall decoration with everybody's signature. That was at our wedding. So we're trying to think of projects that we will actually use beyond the wedding because no one ever looks at the guest book after the wedding is over. So, so yeah, my cricket has come in super handy for customizing everything under the sun.
1: Cool. that's a good idea. Something, something unique instead of just, like you said, tucking it away or throwing it away is what I would have (laughs) done if it was up to me.
0: I know uh, Kristen sold her wedding dress and her mom couldn't believe it. And she was like, well, mom, you know, I don't plan on getting remarried. And if I do, by then I'll probably need a different size dress anyway. So and there's no sentiment at this house.
2: Well, my mom, she, uh, of course, still has her wedding dress. And I remember when we were teenagers, my sister and I talked her into putting the wedding dress back on and she fit into it because my mom's amazing and So mom's standing there in her wedding dress. And then all of a sudden I've got three younger sisters and my brother, who's a year older than me, they come running into the house. And my one sister is her face is bleeding because they had a little accident while they were digging worms to go fishing. So my mom's trying to hurry up and get out of her wedding dress and get in the into regular clothes because she's got to take my sister into the doctor's office to get her face stitched up. And she was like, I am never trying that wedding dress on again. So yeah, I, I don't know why we hang on to them, but we do. Um you know I I guess for some people it is you can recycle the wedding dress for like grandkids if they were to be baptized um as a baby or something like that. That's kind of what I've got in mind. Um but otherwise it's just gonna set in the cedar chest, I think for most people, but I don't know. It's just one of those sentimental things, I guess. Uh, so Austin, what have you been up
1: to? So this week um, has been a really busy week. I'm doing all the material prep uh, for a high caliber camp where everybody's coming doing the blacksmithing. I've been cutting out cleavers. Um, Online Metal sent, sponsored it and sent all the steel, all, everything to um, that we're gonna build during the camp so um but it all had to be processed still and to get it ready for forging to get it ready for um some of the other projects that we're going to do so i've been mainly just tackling that trying to get the forge all cleaned up Uh, the animal stands were all done trying to edit that video as well um it's been a really busy week that's for sure
0: i know i don't know how it's just so much material and i know you probably feel overwhelmed but I think this is going to be a really awesome time so just don't think about the present think about the future. I've been looking at the weather. You know, we've got Thursday's forecast up so uh over by the time this weekend comes we'll know a decent idea what the
1: weather's going to be like and I'm excited. Yeah. I'm I'm excited it uh it definitely worries me for the weather. You know, <laughs> this is it's hurricane season so you never know what what you're going to get especially in Virginia. So um but I think with the group that we have coming it'll be a, uh, they're a hearty bunch. So we can, we can make it happen.
2: Oh yeah. You guys are going to have a great time. I'm, I'm super jealous that I can't make it this year. I'm looking forward to hearing back about it.
1: I was talking to my wife today and I told her about, you know, online metals was sponsoring the event for us and that we were hanging up a banner. And uh, she's like, Oh really? What are there any other banners going up? I said, yeah, I, I just bought two new banners for myself and I'm putting up there because I'm also sponsoring this
2: event. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, it's no, it's all good, but I just, you know, I was being a smart, a smart Alec, but it, uh, we also had some other people that were willing to sponsor, but I I got to them too late, you know, like we were, it, I didn't have enough pre planning time. So if we were going to make it happen again, I definitely need to reach out earlier to people. Um, but I'm super thankful for online medals. They, they really came in the, and in, in the clutch for us. I'm a super, not only grateful for the big
0: sponsors like that, but you know we floated the idea of a swag bag. You know, you go to conventions, you get all, but it's always like salesy nonsense. Right. You know? Yeah. And uh, I was going to say that, but I was worried I was going to say it wrong, <laughs> but um, they, uh, I just kind of floated the idea of like, look, I'm going to give some, everybody something. And if anybody else wants to give everybody something, you know, it's what it is. And it's turning into some people, it's two and three things. And we're going to need bags to put all this stuff in. And I think that's going to be just as exciting. Like it's going to be a great experience when you're there. And then when you leave, you're going to have a bag of shit that your friends made. Quality for you, shit, though. You, I mean, oh, no, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I meant shit as in <laughs> an excitable amount of stuff, not, not a, a derogatory fashion. Um, yeah, I mean some of the stuff and I'm gonna have to take my own credit card away cause I'm getting ridiculous myself. <laughs> uh, I'll say it on here. I mean, uh, so don't open that box that comes tomorrow, Austin, cause I bought everybody a, uh, pro carpenter, fast cap tape measure with, uh, all oh the markings God. on it. I didn't get you one. <laughs> I did not get you one cause I wasn't going to waste $10 and I didn't buy myself one. I figure I'll just borrow somebody while we're there. But so everybody will, will get a tape measure. And then yesterday, uh, and it's funny too, the way that we grow, it's amazing how you can grow through giving. So mm-hmm. last year I laser engraved pencils for a bunch of kids, you know, going back to school during COVID. So any of my friends that had kids, I laser engraved pencils with their names on them. And that's all I did. I put them in and lasered. Well, we had talked about doing pencils for high caliber camp, because we're going to be doing some leather working and they'll have to mark some other stuff. And then just to have, and so, uh, I had the jig and everything and I have, 500 pencils I bought last year. So I was like, well, I'll do some Austin. And I'm watching a video just to get the laser settings, make sure my settings are right. And the woman puts paint in the groove and then wipes it off. And now where she laser engraved, it's colored. And I went, oh my goodness, I have all this paint. We're doing all the colors. And so I did white, red, and I thought it was gold, but it was bronze. So it looks a little brown. I did go buy some gold paint today, but I'm not gonna do any more high caliber camp pencils. We already did 36 of them so um yeah we're gonna have pencils we're gonna have notebooks we got hand turned pens coming we got tumblers we got hats we got leather patches we got um i can't even keep mini clipboards we got uh i think maybe notebooks um there's all kind of stuff that that people are making on their own and bringing and uh it's going to be it's going to be exciting yeah i
1: i my wife keeps so every day that's like amazon truck pulls up and she's like what did you order i'm like uh, this ain't me i have no idea and it's just stuff showing up and it's everybody just sending stuff like pre you know so i guess they don't have to bring it on the plane or whatever and all of it says like you know high caliber camp austin's camp you know whatever and i'm like oh this is it so i just i don't even open it. i just throw it in the corner throw it in the corner i'm like that's awesome everybody gets here we're gonna have to open up all these boxes and see what see what's in it so I think it's going to be, you know, a blast.
2: But today we're joined with Carly Andelin of Carly Andelin art. And uh, Carly and I have a little bit of a real world connection where my fiance, Marvin, and Carly's husband, Mike, are friends in the Reloaders Network. So I was really tickled to be able to get her onto the podcast. Uh, Carly, can you give us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure.
3: Uh, I am an artist and I live in utah and i have let's see my husband and i mike my husband has he's got the bullet taco pod or i guess not the podcast his youtube channel and it's all things gun um i let's see we have four kids they're all teenagers right now so we're in the thick of family life and uh, wow. we got twins in there too and so it's yeah we are Loving the <laughs> loving that lifestyle and busyness, craziness. So, anyways, it's good. I do art on the side, really just for my creative outlet. I also work another part-time job too, just to have a little, you know, breakup schedule and stuff. And anyways, but yeah, uh yeah, we've lived here in Utah for I don't know, we've been married about 20 years, but we grew up in Washington State. So lived in the West my whole life, and so that's yeah that's kind of a little bit about me, so
0: y'all should do a YouTube called Art and ammo and either like, and ammo. yeah, and either y'all can shoot some art or you can paint some bullets, art and ammo. You can have that for <laughs> free
2: as we were looking back through your uh through your Instagram, which you've got some beautiful pieces on there, it looked like you used to focus more on calligraphy rather than wall art. Can you kind of walk us through your? Like your transition and and where you've been with art over the years. Absolutely. Um,
3: so I would say I've been an artist my whole life. Um, fine art, drawing, sketching, anything. I loved all that all growing up. And when I got to college, I, my husband and I went to BYU, and we. I came to college like dating him, and I just looked. the The art program there is pretty small, and so I. I mean, it's sad. I kind of sold myself short a little bit and didn't even apply. I thought, ah, there's no way I can get in. They only accept 20 people a year or something. And so like, I'm just going to do something different. So I kind of put art away for a little bit. And then, uh, you know, as my kids, I had four kids and they're growing up. I'm like, I have got to anyone that's creative. You just, you have to have an outlet something. And, Mm -hmm. you know, as my kids got a little older, I'm like, I need to do something, and I couldn't run away from the art as much as I tucked it away and thought I wouldn't you know use it anymore but I I don't know lettering kind of started to get a little bit bigger calligraphy it was new thing that came up like I'd like to try it out so I took an online class and and really enjoyed it and loved it and and really my sister that encouraged me to to do that, to do the calligraphy with her, she was like, Carly, you know what you should do? You should do wood signs. It was kind of at the beginning when I, I feel like when wood signs started to come, you see it more in home decor and stuff and I'm like, huh. Okay. So I just gave it a try. And I, I really just self-taught myself, um, the, the art of woodworking. I learn to build all the signs myself to do the framing. And then I would letter on the signs and that that's typically not what a letterer would do. They do it on paper, The paper is smooth. The ink is nice and, you know, <laughs> glides so well, it's not that way with the paintbrush and on wood. And, but then I liked that just cause I like to just do things different and not the mainstream, what everybody's doing. And, so I just started doing it and practicing and getting better and better. And Utah, the state of Utah has definitely got, a you know, artists here and a lot of talented people. There's a lot of markets and shows and things like that. And so I would make all these signs myself, 100 percent myself and would paint them, letter on them, sell them. I did pretty good. I mean, it went pretty well. How long did I do that for about a couple of years? But the problem, and this was once my twins are the youngest, my twin girls. And once they got into, let's see, first grade, that's about, I'm like, okay, now I can, I can, you know, devote a full-time, almost full-time job of this. I was working so many hours, you know, I enjoyed it, but then I pushed myself so hard to just do more shows, make more money, got to make more, make more. I completely <laughs> burnt myself out after a couple of years. I could not maintain that type of a workload and my life, my role as a mother too, you know, cause I don't want to be in the garage um, 60 hours a week, which was, I felt like it was about what I was doing. And my kids were resentful towards it. <laughs> And, you know, it, it was it was a rough gig. And I finally got to a point like I've got to stop. I got so burnt out. You know, I did a lot of big shows. It went well, but it was just too much. And so I just knew I had to to stop. But while I was prepping for some of those shows, I you know, when you do an online um well, social media with your online business, you got to take good pictures. And I mean, as an artist, I I feel like I have a, a decent eye for things. I know it looks good. I'm like, these pictures don't look good. You know, you're trying to always improve and um, elevate your business and progress. And and so I was in the middle of painting some backdrops for photography for my signs. And I just started painting. And this was amidst like depression and pushing myself and so much work. I just had this feeling that just overcame me. Is like, you love art. You gotta not give this up. Like you can't run away from it. I was painting like a faux concrete, um, look of a backdrop and it just, it hit me so strongly. And I realized what am I doing? I'm pushing myself so hard, but I'm not even doing what I love. And when I finally decided to stop doing wood signs, then I had to take a step back. I think anyone who's experienced burnout before, the amount of time that you work and push yourself, you need at least wow. that much time to just rest and stop hustling so much. And so that's exactly what I did. I took a couple of years off of nothing. I had to just stop. And then the thought just kept coming to me. You should try art. You should give it a try. Don't give it up. Finally, after a couple of years, I picked up my paintbrushes and just started to paint. I'm like. I think I need to do this. And I just started painting and I think I painted probably 50 paintings and they all looked awful. It was so (laughs) hard. I felt like I was walking through peanut butter. You know, it was just, it was rough. You know, whenever you start something new, you just think you're going to be so awesome and amazing at it. And then you realize, oh gosh, I have so much to learn. And so, (laughs) so much. Anyways, so much to work on. So I just, but I, I don't know. I just like, no, I can't give up. I've got to keep doing this. So I just kept trying and trying. And finally, after, yeah, quite a few, probably 50 paintings, like there was one that I think like, okay, I think I can do this. And then still more bad paintings. So, you know, what? it's been a process and I think COVID kind of, and I wonder if it's similar with a lot of people, COVID kind of was a thing that that got me going. I'm like, okay, I'm at home. I can't go anywhere. This is perfect opportunity opportunity Mm -hmm. for me to just keep honing my skills and practicing and do this for real. And so really it's what I did. I really, every day I'd try to paint and, and, uh, yeah. And then just got better and better. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. And I, you know, I've enrolled in different online courses from different artists and, um, you know, creative masters and learn things about business. You know, I don't have a business background. So that has been a lot of work and challenges. Oh my goodness, from the start. And uh, so then I, I got my website going and I had enough to release a collection and get it going. And, you know, the more you do it, and then I was taking pictures, people would see and hear about it. You know, I had a couple thousand followers from my sign business, but now I'm doing art and I'm like, I know I'm going to lose people, but I, I don't care. I, I just have to I got to stay true to what is not really true to me and and art was what it was. So
2: that's so cool. That's that is quite quite a journey. And I know there's quite a few people that can relate to that um, process of of just you know, digging in too deep and taking too much of a, of your life, but yet you don't want to give it up. So mm-hmm. yeah, I know there's a lot of people that can relate to that. I'm kind of curious back to your calligraphy in particular, because uh-huh. I have to use a cricket to make anything that makes, you know, I need stencils. That's really what it boils down to. I, honestly, my life should be involved stencils to write anything. Cause I'm just, you know, I'm no good at that, but Um, your calligraphy, if I'm correct, is, is hand drawn and do, and do you, you pencil it in and then paint it? Or can you kind of walk us through the process of, you just have some beautiful calligraphy.
3: Absolutely. You know, I would say, so I took the class and it was 30 days long where I did, I don't know. I spent at least a couple hours a day. If I really feel like anybody could do hand lettering if they wanted to. If they worked hard enough, it, mm-hmm. it takes a lot of practice, a lot of practice, but then you get better at it. And that was strictly just paper, just get in and man, my lettering, it, it got to looking really nice. Um, But then I decided to do the route of the paintbrush, and then that took even a whole nother. It was like a whole different tool. I'm like, wow, this is a little lot different. The pressure, everything is just different. The how the paint glides. Mm-hmm. I pencil it on and I, you know, I learned tips throughout just trying trial and error. I would like using uh, watercolor pencils because you can like, if your surface is painted, um, not raw wood, that's, that's a little harder, but if it, if it has a painted surface, then you can just get it wet. And then I use my watercolor pencil to draw it on. And then I would paint on top of that. And you'll have a little bit of smudges, but then once the paint cures, then I would just wipe it all off because those watercolor pencils come off like nothing. I mean, it's really easy. So that was if it's like a smaller sign. If it's a really big one, I have done some pretty big, I don't know, Mm -hmm. four feet, three feet, big signs before. Mm -hmm. I got one of those old overhead projectors you know that we had when we were little kids in school oh yeah (laughs) I got one of those and transparency sheets so I could make my design just right and I could copy it just directly so I'd either sharpie it on with like a a light box or something yeah to that effect and I would Either write write it on a sharpie on the transparency sheet, or I would copy it on and enlarge it, you know, with my you know by 100 percent or or increase 200 pencil whatever it was. Mm-hmm. So that took a little bit of trial and error to find out what size is it do I need to do. But having it on that the transparencies and then the overhead projector, then I'd prop up the sign, do the same thing with water watercolor pencil. It just was so slick; it would just work really well get it big. So then my design was just right. You know, for a while I would just do it by hand, but man, it just didn't quite look just right. You know, you mm-hmm. have to be a little bit of perfectionist with lettering, the spacing of the letter, the thickness of your stroke, the size, the, the height and the width, and you want it to be centered just right, you know? And so that was, I found for me, at least that was an easier way to do it. If you're going to hand letter it. If you're doing a stencil it's you know it's a different process but right. um yeah and that worked pretty good then I'd have it all on my watercolor pencil then just and then I'd move it away from the you know the overhead and, and then have it horizontal again and then yeah paint it with a paintbrush and hmm. you know use certain kind of paint that uh like a more of a liquidy kind of acrylic that doesn't uh watered down. You know, if you keep adding water to get it thinner to let it glide, because you know, you don't want to have to stop after every single letter, then you lose some of the flow and the fluidity of it. You just get a higher flow acrylic and works really good. Anyways, cool. but yeah. So yeah, there you go.
0: So Christy had mentioned she would need a stencil. I know I would need a stencil. Um do you have any animosity towards the cricket market and what it, you know, it just had to flood the calligraphy game. um, (laughs) Absolutely
3: not. Yeah, no, no no animosity toward it. I own a silhouette. And so I would even, you know, some, some signs I'd make for people, they don't want the hand lettered look. It totally depends. Fonts are a whole nother, you know, thing of art, a whole nother field that every font has kind of a different, feel to it, a different style, you know, and I've made a lot of signs that I did, uh, just a, like a sans serif font really straight. And for that, I really like using a stencil for that. And anyway, there's different ways to paint it on that way, but yeah, I, I think it's fine to do stencils. it's so just the look you're going for.
0: You just had a lightning bolt go off in my head when you were talking about fonts, did you kind of have like, Hey, here are my examples of my work and these are the styles I'm willing to do or did you let people come in with wild requests and you had to try to, okay, which one of the 400 Adobe styles is this?
3: Yeah. So what I would usually do, I just, I'd first ask, okay, where, what kind of inspiration are you getting this from? Usually everybody that has a custom piece and they want done, they already kind of, they got an idea from somewhere. They're like, I really love how this one looks. What, what would you suggest? Mike? Okay. So I would come up with, Five, six, seven, eight ideas. Mike, okay, this is all hand If you like this look, this is what I can do. You know, and anyone who's done a lot of lettering, you can manipulate and change the way you do the lettering to just get the look that you want. So I do something that's really sophisticated and, and more of a fancy, and then one that's really handwriting and casual and just laid back, and then one that's just, um, a little bit more messy, you know, everyone has different styles. So I would just be like, okay, here's, here's some different options. If you like the font stenciled look, here's another, some options. And everyone kind of like, oh yes, I like this the best. So, but I wouldn't give them 500 options. Really, you know, you give your kids 500 options to pick something what they want <laughs> in the store. And you're like, oh my gosh, we're going to be here for five hours. But if you're like, okay, here's five things or two or three, <laughs> then you can narrow things down way faster, you know? And so custom takes a lot of back and forth. Okay. What do you think of this? So then I just get the design just right and be like, okay, what do you think about this? This is what you can expect to look. And then, okay, then I'll get going and start it. But yeah, the the design takes a bit. So if they know really what they want, like, I love this exact one. Can you just do this? Like, yes, (laughs) I, I can get it done way faster. And, yeah, I can see what's going on in their head a lot faster than trying like, okay. They're like, I don't know what I want. You, you just use your best judgment. I'm like, no, oh. you, <laughs> I know you have a preference. So let me help you figure out what it is you want. So,
2: yeah, I think most every, uh, guest that we've had on here that does custom work, They've said the that exact same thing that when people are like, oh, it just surprised me. No, nope, no, no, nope. we don't do, <laughs> don't do that. Never a good idea. Nope. Yeah.
1: So one thing I wanted to ask you is, so you had the woodworking side of your shop and then your painting. Was that in the same shop or and how did you like cause that's two things that I wouldn't think would you'd want in the same room.
3: No. Yeah. So I have a garage that's I'd only do obviously all that's, that was our wood shop. So I'd have all my power tools there, the building and everything. And then, um, I, I do it kind of in stages. Okay. This is a building day. This is a cutting day. You know, I'd buy large stock of wood and, you know, rip them down into the size that I needed. And then, and then I'd paint them and then I would, uh, rip down all the wood, the two by fours and whatever material I use for the framing. Okay. Then we actually, I'd usually frame less because it's more annoying to have to paint when there's a frame kind of sticking up a little bit. So anyways, yeah, I I would do it in clumps, but the painting, you know, with like a roller, that's all outside the garage, but it it didn't happen the same day. I would never, and, and I was doing it all. So there wasn't, you know, wood you know, fine wood chips flying everywhere as I'm trying to get a you know, good, nice coat of white paint on some of these signs. So it would be from day to day, depending on what I do.
2: As you've been selling the different things, um, did you start out with like Etsy or did you start out with just selling at shows or kind of what are your different ways of selling through the process? Got it. So, Yes, I did start out with an Etsy shop.
3: That was first. So my wood signs, I did not have a website. I just did Etsy. If I was going to sell online and really through Instagram, mostly if people message direct message me that they wanted something particular, then I would just, I could take orders that way. And it was fine. And actually I kind of preferred that sometimes Etsy, you know, takes extra, you know, costs out and stuff. And so Like, I don't mind doing, you know, things just kind of under the table as far as Etsy goes, (laughs) but I I would really, I would do it all kind of, I think that was, that may not have been the best strategy for sure for selling the signs. uh, When I did them at the shows, it was a lot. I think that was part of my problem is I, it was like mass quantity trying to make as many as I possibly could you know, one show I'm trying to think I had over a hundred signs that I made and, wow. you know, it takes a long time. So then my Etsy would kind of take a backseat and I wouldn't, uh, really use Instagram and post a lot of things and advertise too much that I'm trying to sell this and that. I would kind of be like, okay, yeah, I, I could take your order, but it'll be, you know, a month, I'm a month out because I'm prepping for a show. And if you're local, that would be a great place to see what inventory, you know, what stock I have right now. So, um, but yeah, the shows kind of took priority I'd say, you know, six weeks or so before I was really pounding it hard to just, just be able to get enough inventory for those shows. They were a lot of work.
2: On the, um, the wall art that you, that you paint now, um, it looks like there's a lot of mainly scenery, water scenes. Are there any, what, what, what's what been your inspiration or, or what gives you the ideas? Where do you where do you come up with what you're going to paint and how you're going to paint?
3: So that's that's interesting. It kind of changes from day to day. I would say with my art, I primarily focus on landscapes, abstracts and florals just because I don't know it, it feels the most natural to me it'll be, I'll come back from a hike or a trip to spending some time outdoors and just separating myself from the busyness. I, you know, take pictures and yes, it, it just very inspiring to me, or I'd see maybe some other artwork that's been done that just really motivates me and just, um, just makes me really happy. So really I've tried to just focus on things that make me happy. And, I'm definitely a beach girl. I love, I love the ocean. And so, (laughs) definitely anything, I'll always, you know, go to that. But abstract is, I've found painting abstract art is a way for me to unwind. It's very healing. Sometimes, just with the busyness of life, I can't pressure myself into making a landscape look amazing and great, sometimes I just have to play and just get out a paintbrush and paint and colors and just don't even think about anything. Just clear out my mind and just paint. So really, I just try to focus on whatever makes me happy. If I would hang it in my house, then I know I'm on the right track. But if I really don't like it, I'm like, no, don't don't go in that direction. I'm I'm learning to kind of narrow things down better for myself that I'm not painting for everybody out there, but I mean, I certainly am because I want to share my art with others, but I really have to focus on what makes me happy, what inspires me, what, what feels right. And, and surprisingly, when I focus on being my true self, my really authentic, then other people are able to connect and resonate with the same kind of thing, So. It, it just feels better. There's not as much pressure um, doing that. Whereas the signs, it was just focusing on, okay, what are other people going to want? What are other people going to want? You can't spend your whole life doing things for other people. You have to look inward too and be at peace with that for yourself.
0: I love that. And even though you just gave a very thorough explanation of that process, I just had one more kind of nagging question. Oh, yeah. So you, you paint scenery or, or even the abstract stuff. Is there a difference in the way that you relate to a piece when you've actually tangibly seen something with your eyes versus maybe something that you've been inspired by via picture or the internet? You know, is there a difference in the way that that feels as you're putting it on paint on canvas?
3: Absolutely. I would say you definitely, you have a more deeper emotional connection with that piece, if you have been there, it really means something to you. To you, I've I'm learning that artists aren't painting art; they're painting a feeling. So, Ooh. you know, you can find a picture online that maybe you haven't been there or created that or anything, but you're trying to put it in a different interpretation that means something to you, and you're you're really trying to express a feeling, not the physical object. If that makes sense. Yeah.
0: And so when you were doing the abstract, are there times where the feeling of an abstract just feels clearer than the feeling of the tangible? Because, again, you have that because I'm looking at your prints and the one titled Vibrant, uh, it jumps mm-hmm. out. I mean, th- this you knew this was a clear vision when you painted this and, and it's it's obvious, but it's an abstract. And mm-hmm. I was just wondering from an artist's perspective, once you're able to see it in your mind's eye, if that if you get that same feeling.
3: Yes. Definitely. you know, and sometimes I get to painting something and it was supposed to be a landscape, I'm like, this is not working. And <laughs> I've got to change it into something entirely different. and all of a sudden it changes and you're like, yes, this is what. This is what I needed to do. So every painting is, oh my goodness, it, it is a wrestle, a trial, you know, that you just go through. It is such a process, really? Art, you know, some art pieces I've done, I've come together in 20, 30 minutes and it's like, this is amazing. Okay, let's whip it out again. But I'd say most of the time it's not. It's a process of just days and, oh, is it done? What else do I need to do? Because it just isn't feeling right. But you know, and you can sign your name on it. You're like, it's done. Every artist, you know, knows when it's done, it's finished. So
1: funny. I find that same thing but with making other things like building things the the ones that I, i'm most proud of typically just get jammed out and it's like that went together so fast mm-hmm. why can't every project be like that it's you know <laughs> and then you, with that project i'm so much more excited to show it to people and uh and then the next project comes along and it's like oh i'm just like you were saying walking through peanut butter I feel like that's the majority mm-hmm. of the projects, but, <laughs> but then you hit that one. And that's, I feel like that's the one that keeps you're striving for that feeling again. Like you're trying to get that high again
3: mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. like just
1: chasing, chasing projects like that is, is what makes it exciting. Absolutely.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I agree. It's, it's different all the time. And I found those days, you know, creativity, you can't force it, but those days that you just, you just feel it and things are just, man, everything is just going really well. Those are the days you got to just maximize and pound it out and make lots of it. And those days you have to know the difference between when, you know, I just got to go to bed. I'm done. I can't do anything more. And that's okay to just stop. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you got to just accept this looks like crap. Like <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how to make stuff anymore. This looks like a second grader made it. You know, <laughs> you have to just be okay of just putting it away. It's okay. I'm gonna try again, and I know I'm gonna be able to do a good job again. And um, it's like believing in yourself. Every project. Do you feel that way? Do you guys feel that way? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, Maybe it's just me.
2: <laughs> I'm curious about your uh, frames and, and whenever you're making the, the wooden signs all together, did someone show you how to, to make the frames or YouTube learn? I'm YouTube learned on, on pretty much all my woodworking. So I was kind of curious when you started into the woodworking aspect of your artistry.
3: Mm-hmm. Yes. So yeah, it definitely was a process. It it wasn't, man, my framing has gotten better throughout the years for sure. My first frames were just straight (laughs) pieces, no mitered corners. It was just straight on straight on straight. Okay. Sand the edges were good, you know? (laughs) And then I'm like, okay, how can I make this better? Okay. Why don't I at least try mitered corners? And then I did that. (laughs) I'm like, okay, this looks a lot better. I don't know why I didn't try it sooner. You know, it's just learning a new skill that you just, at least with me, I just put it off. I'm like, I don't know how to do that, you know. So to be honest, I taught myself, or when it was like a new thing, I wanted to just get it a little bit better than what I had it before. I would just watch YouTube videos. And so I think that's kind of where I feel like my framing has stopped is uh when I started doing art, my first collection that I have, and I still have some pieces left. I haven't sold all of them that I released during uh during early COVID last year. And uh, I really wanted to learn how to do floating frames because I love Mm. the look of floating frames with art. So you can see all of the edges of the canvas really well. You're not hiding anything. It's not touching the paint. It just has a more um, relaxed open feel to, to just be able to see the whole art. And That was a whole nother thing. Oh my goodness. Watching YouTube videos. I watched his his framer. He's really, really amazing. And tried, man, the first ones were so bad, you know, and then I, okay, try again. I got to keep trying, you know, and finally God, I'm like, okay, I think I can sell this. This is not perfect, but I think I can sell it. And now I'm to the point. I know I can build the frames. I know I can even build my canvases. If I want to, I could buy the canvas um, you know, duck canvas and stretch it, staple it, build the frame, you know, get the framing bars, get that all done and build the frames. But that's not really what I want to spend my time doing. There's other people that can do it better than me. And I'd rather my time is one of my most valuable resources to me. Mm -hmm. And so I don't want to spend my time doing that. And so then I buy now, at least where I'm at, I buy my canvases and I'm not going to build another frame again. <laughs> I, I hate framing and you, you have to be a real perfectionist with framing. And I don't really have all the tools to get the frames to look just right. I don't have, you know, I'd need a planer and some of these things to, to get it just right. And so I've found a framer that I really like that's closer in the Salt Lake area he does such a fantastic job. They're so beautiful. And I'm like, oh, I'm done. I'm not doing frames anymore. I'm going to just have him make them because that's what he does. And he's so good at it. And it just, it makes the art speak for itself even more and look that much higher quality when you can have an even better product, someone else that can do it for you. And so that's where I'm at with that. But yeah, that's framing's a whole nother art. Oh my goodness. I don't know if you guys have <laughs> ever tried framing art and what else? Gosh, it's, I don't know. didn't come natural to me. It took a lot of work to make it look okay.
0: (laughs) Wait, I can't put the period on the framing paragraph just yet because I made a note when you were doing calligraphy, it was all butt joints and probably just nails in the end. And then you take this, you take this break and you come back and you're mitering your angles. I mean, was it just, I'm going to come back and I'm going to elevate everything to the next level? Like, what made that jump in woodworking? Were you doing woodworking on the side between or?
3: I feel like I was always getting the saw out every day. Almost. I, man, I've done a lot of woodworking stuff, but I enjoy it too. You know, and I still do it, uh, for projects. I'm definitely a DIYer. I'm doing home stuff, building shelves, whatever, whatever needs to be done. Um, I think with the shows, I, you know, I did a lot of markets and shows and things locally, you know, it was a little bit competitive. There was definitely others kind of doing the same thing, you know, and as you see other people that, oh man, their stuff looks really good. What is it about their stuff that looks great? And I could see their framing looks nice. I, I'm going to try that. I think I can try that. So I, yeah, I, I think just just always looking ahead, be like, hey, how can I make my business just a little bit better? And I knew, okay, my framing needs to improve a little bit. So that's when the miter corners came in. Uh, the floating frame around it, that was with the art specifically. And that was that I felt like, oh, this is even harder. This is a whole nother level of framing doing the floating frames around it because you have, there's more building, there's more parts to it. it has to be so precise because you need an eighth inch gap around all of the canvas. And I'm just not naturally a perfectionist in that way. And so it was, took me a lot of work, a lot of time to get it real precise.
0: I had another question about prints. Um, so obviously you sell originals and prints on your website. Mm-hmm. And yes. I was just curious about the business side of that when it came to you know determining the pricing difference between the two. And then do you sell 10 times as many prints as originals or are the originals much more desirable? You know, what's the ratio there?
3: you know i'm not i'm not super you know great with all the the detailed aspect of the business to know okay this percentage I'm, i should be more into that but definitely i've sold more prints than i have originals but i would say it's because there's just more prints available there's only a, a there's a very limited amount number of originals that people can buy but the prints if you make a high quality print You can keep reproducing, but, you know, there's different ways to go about that anyways. Do you want to make a thousand prints available? Cause then it's so easy for them to just get it. Or do you want a limited number of prints that, so people feel a little more urgency that, oh, she's only doing a hundred prints of this particular one, you know, and then you can, you know, the price can be affected by all of those decisions that you make with that. But I like doing prints because It allows you to just make your art available to more people. And it also offers a lower price point. Not everyone can afford an original, but, you know, spending $20 on a print is a lot more realistic for people that don't have a lot to spend, but they can still display the art that they love in their home. So uh, I think prints are a nice option and I want to still keep offering them because it just, you can reach more people that way. But I love selling an original people who buy originals. They love originals because they know there's just a different feeling when you see the artwork that you can see all the brushstrokes. You can see the original color so clear and vibrant. It just, the art speaks For itself, Mm -hmm. you know, whereas a print, a print is great and wonderful, but it's it's still it's a reproduction. It's a print, it's not the real thing. So, you know, just it just depends. But prints you can buy a lot and you can change them out a lot. So it just depends on you and what you like. But I'm glad that I can do both because you reach different people that way.
1: So one thing that we ask everybody that comes on the show is um your top three tools or your favorite three tools, or if you we're going to start up a new workshop main three things that you bring with you. What, what would you choose?
3: That is a hard choice. Well, with the art itself, I definitely love certain brands of paints better. They're just the colors just much better than, than your basic student. I have all of, I feel like I have all of the, of the kinds up and down. But I would say if you have a good quality paint and a brush, I don't know that there's just so much you can do with just that. I don't know. I mean, there's definitely tips and tricks. I do a lot of acrylic and I have bought a glass, a large glass palette that really, I think was a cutting board, but painting on that or putting my paint, you know, for my palette on that. I love it so much because it just makes cleanup so easy. You just with acrylic, it just dries. You just spritz it with a, with water bottle, spray that, and then a a scraper and it comes off like Mm. super fast. So it's just nice. You just keep reusing it over and over rather than having, you know, your, your palette paper or other things that you can't clean off as well. So I love that tool a lot for acrylic painting.
0: One other thing before we let you go, I know we talked about the calligraphy. We talked about the fine art, but I also saw that you were doing original art Christmas tree ornaments last year. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that something you're going to continue to do And, and tell us how that idea come to you and the response you got from, from your clients?
3: Yeah, I, so I got the idea from another artist that I have taken like a, I joined like an online collective through her and she has done them. And it's kind of just when you join a network of, you know, whatever you're into, you just learn things. And it's surprisingly that there is definitely a thing out there for hand painted art on ornaments Mm -hmm. and they range all kinds of prices, but I just want to try it out and just be like, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Um, I didn't sell I didn't sell as much as I would like last year, but I'm also still, I feel like in my still beginner in the beginning stages, trying to expand and grow my business and my clientele. And I sold enough that I wasn't losing money. So how's that? (laughs) (laughs) So for me, it was nice to try something different. You know, it's, it's always good to just, okay, I got to do something different than what I always do. Try it out. See it. You're just never going to know if it goes well, unless you actually try it. And so I did it. And I, you know, there's a lot of people that told me that they loved it and wanted to buy them, but they just, I don't know, couldn't afford them or just, you know, what a reason they just didn't Mm -hmm. like, Oh, I hope you do them again this year. And I think I still will. I don't know. They're not, they're not super money makers. I would say, because if you get a high quality uh, I like doing them on like bisque ceramic Type ornaments. So they're breakable. So I wouldn't recommend it for, you know, families, moms, and parents with little children because then your, you know, 30 Breakable's something dollar good. ornament is now trash. Yeah. And then a it repeat customer. Time. I think yeah. you're
1: pitching the
0: wrong. But way. I was like,
3: I'm going to get
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: you guys need this. You need to put an expiration date on them too. <laughs>
3: yeah, I take <laughs> no responsibility for what happens once you hang it on your tree. but I got like a I wanted to get a non-breakable. I mean, I've got four kids I'm like I want something that's not gonna break. I got a non-breakable one that's a little more um plastic material and it looked plastic. Yeah. Oh um, nah, never mind. I'm just gonna go with the breakable and you just you you really want to market it and sell it as a high. Valuable thing, you know that it. Mm-hmm. I really do value this piece of artwork. It is an original piece of art. You can put on your tree a one of a kind. You will not be able to buy anything like this, but this one. And so then you treat it that way. I mean, probably everyone has some ornaments that they take care of and that are breakable. So you just take care of it. So that's that's just going to be like one of these. I have
1: the ultimate money making strat for you. You paint. Okay. That's right. Cat caricatures on these ornaments <laughs> because everybody who has a cat <laughs> will destroy the ornaments. And it's just a money train that is constantly coming in.
3: <laughs> that's pretty <laughs> clever. That's pretty clever. Oh, that's good. Haven't thought of that one. That's a new one. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, Carly, it has been great visiting with you. I know I definitely learned quite a few Um quite a few things about about painting and calligraphy too that I really didn't know um so if you want to kind of give everybody where they can find you yeah
3: great uh so you can I have a website com. you can check that out I I still need to add more to it so right now there's not a huge inventory but there is still some things uh I usually just stick to Instagram as far as social media. So I try to keep that up to date. So you can look up Carly Andelin underscore art. And if you live in the Utah area along the Wasatch, I do some fine art shows that you can buy some originals and I'm doing one next month in the Salt Lake area that I'll have both some originals and prints available. So, and that's, that I feel like is such a fun way to purchase because you get to see it in person and Mm -hmm. it's, it's different than just seeing a picture and just going by, Oh, I think it's good when you see it. I get so many comments (laughs) from people when they, when they get the thing in the mail or whatever, they say, Oh my, it's, it's so much better in person even. So that's, that's just how our is. So yeah. Lucky for people in Utah, then they can see it that way in person. So. That's so cool. Yeah.
2: Well, thanks again for coming on. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you.
3: This was great. I enjoyed
2: it.
0: Wow, that was a great talk with Carly. And it got me thinking of my own amateur ambitions into art. And so I thought maybe we could kind of talk about, you know, we're not always in the woodshop and some of the stuff we make ends up on the walls in our homes. So uh, I thought maybe we could talk about some art that we've made and some stuff that we've done or some experiences or stories. And um, Christy, I'd like to start with you. You've got any uh, examples of art?
2: Uh, yeah, I've done a few things. Um, the one thing that I'm most proud of or the one I appreciate the most is my int- intarsia rose that I did um, when I didn't even realize that was intarsia. I was just using the stencil and cutting out some random pieces of wood and trying to make a pretty rose. Um and, you know, that was the one projects that I, that I've done that I kind of felt like inspired in a, in a, in a very different way, because normally I see something that I need, or I have an area of need, whether it's a side table or a piece of furniture or a gift for somebody. But in this case, my brain just, I was at work one day and my brain just started traveling down a road. Um, you know, one thing led to another led to another. And it was, it's probably one of the very few projects that I'm, that I made that was unique in my mind, um, as I was doing it. So I'm particularly proud of it because, because I do feel like it was a little more unique than, um, than something that I made out of, out of necessity, you know, and then I was able to use, you know, like all of my projects, I was able to use a good variety of different types of wood, each of the petals of the rose, whether it's walnut or oak or barnwood or, or um, ash, or just the different types of wood making the, it's kind of, you know, a collage. And, um, and I've had, uh, you know, when friends have come by and see it, they're just like, I want that. And I'm like, well, it's my only first one and I'm not getting rid of it anytime soon.
1: Yeah, I think that's looked really cool because because of all the different types of wood is what made it really I mean, it was really cool how you cut it out and everything but really makes it pop is all the different, you know, species or or variety. Um
2: mm-hmm.
1: even like the weathering of the barn wood and stuff.
2: That's my favorite piece as of right now that I would consider to be wall art. Um so Austin, what do you got in the wall art department?
1: Um, I don't really do like a lot of, you know, art is what I would call it, but I did do that, um, sound diffuser, which I, I Mm. I would call it art. Um, so it's like all the different blocks of wood, different size blocks. So they kind of stick out the wall Um, or city skyline. I don't, I don't really know what the the best way to describe it is. Um, and I used, uh, basically spruce four by fours. And then I used, um, two by two pine and stained it. Um, and then made a a, fr- a black frame that went around it. So that's really, as far as I can think of, that's kind of the only wall art um, style stuff I've made. One thing that I'd like to get into, and I'm I, I was actually kind of drawn run out this week and all my uh, spare, spare time is yeah. Time. I'd like to make like a um a a, a lit sign um for for the workshop. Mm. And I, what I really want to do is I want to do like you know those like 1950s roadside signs that are like the the big arrow it's like a red arrow with the oh, big yeah.
2: the yeah, light bulbs. bulbs
1: but i wanted to say lathe and just point down at my lathe. like it's totally pointless but i just thought it would look cool come no that sounds yeah. amazing and yeah it does i just thought that would be cool to do and um i thought it'd be a- yeah you've been on too many weirdos facebook pages i know, lately. i know <laughs> but uh I, I i really like that actually you know who i've been watching um wesley treat do you guys Mm-hmm. Stuff. oh yeah so, and yeah
2: I, he makes some he great does stuff. so
1: many signs and that's what i was like man i really want to do a sign um and i think that'd be a cool project we need a plasma cnc i would love one
0: <laughs> now that you got the welding shop next year at austin king yeah uh, we should reach out we'll charge admission next year and the tickets will go towards yeah. or just get a
1: really good sponsor <laughs> there you go so what about you dean
0: dean what about you No, you know, thank both of you for uh, for asking. I appreciate that, and I'll say one thing. I I know, you know, when I was a child or a youngster, we didn't have a lot of stuff hanging up, you know, in college or whatever. But as I've gotten older, it's now there's not a barren spot on the wall. I mean, every room, every flat surface, we have something, and it may be, you know, one project I really liked. My wife does all these races, so she would um, place, and sometimes you didn't get a ribbon, you got like a a little poster or a, you know, an artist drew something. And so we started framing those and we'd put a ribbon with them. And so in one room we've got all those. And then in another room, we've got, we went to like one of those pinos and pallets things where you, um, you know, you, you send them a picture of your dog and then they trace it out and then you paint it. And I love those because mine came out really, really great and hers looks terrible. So <laughs> every day that you walk down the hall, it's just a reminder of your superiority. But, um, One of the funniest ones I was thinking about when we were talking to Carly was for Christmas, I bought, uh, I had Marion, I commissioned Marion to paint uh, our friend Marion Ward to paint a oak tree uh, for my dad's Christmas gift. And since she was bringing it in, I made the frame ahead of time. And so she told me the canvas size and I, and it was a true, you know, a very common canvas size. She bought this, I'm, I'm pretty sure she bought it from somewhere. And so I made the frame to that size. And then I get it and between the, you know, the wood movement of the frame I made and then the stretching and the tension on that, it, it wasn't exact. It was close, but it wasn't exact and it was so frustrating. So I tried to make another one just real quick and frames are tricky. If you're doing mm-hmm. any kind of box where it's a wide box, so think molding or something, you never mentally think about the hangover of the forty-five. So if it's eight by 10 and you go, okay, well, I've got 12 inches. That's I've got four, 12 inch boards. That's enough. And then you realize, well, no, because they're two inches wide and at that 45, you know, a square plus B square is not C square and you really needed 13 inch wide boards. And so you cut that first miter, and you go to cut the second one and you're three eighths of an inch short. And it's so infuriating, especially when you made your own molding by running oak through the table saw and you don't remember the blade settings and where the fence was. And it's just, it's mm-hmm. such a bang your head against the wall moment. And so, um, I thought that was pretty funny. Just listen to her talk about, uh, frames and mitered corners are hard. If you don't have precision tricky. equipment, yes. um, just cause your saw says 45 does not mean all four of these cuts are 45. So, uh, it, it's always hard, especially when you're dealing with fine art and sub fine woodworking you know, you can really point out some flaws in your corners whenever you got something like that. That's when the old screwdriver burnishing on the end, or you know, the sawdust and wood glue trick, um, or paint. Yeah, <laughs> you know, nothing hides. Yeah. Nothing hides it like caulking caulk, paint. Maybe. So
1: I like, I like to yeah. fill it with the cog.
2: Yeah. I'm not a big fan of making frames. I've got a couple more that I need to make, but um, I made a couple probably one of the first ones I did was to frame a uh, Jimmy Duresta poster. And uh, it's the, the saying um, I'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it, which has been my motto for ages way before um, Jimmy came out with that poster, but I used Barnwood to, uh, to frame it. And I, and like I said, that was one of the first frames I did. And I was, I was real tickled with how it turned out because by some miracle of the of the maker gods, um, my miters came out like spot on. And um, I have yet to be able to replicate (laughs) that uh, precision. I don't know. I think it was just kind of one of those things I didn't know any better. And it just worked out really well, because I think in some areas, the further the longer I do things, the worse I'm getting at them.
0: How did you cut the miters? What, what kind of saw did you use? A miter saw. Oh, okay. Um, which is yeah. so funny. I mean, it's literally called a miter saw, but I've always mm-hmm. found, um, on a table saw with a sled, if you've got a a jig, it works, right. um, really well because you're cutting the right ones on the right side and the left ones on the left side. So if the saw is at, you know, 45 and a half, it's at 44 and a half on the other side and they do match up well. Whereas on a miter saw, if you're, are turning the saw to get that opposite cut it um you know the the inaccuracies aren't necessarily compatible
2: at the time my uh table saw was my harbor freight original table saw there was nothing accurate about (laughs) it so uh but that's the thing though i
0: mean the if you if you do if you have complementary mistakes they end up working out um
2: yeah. But I mean, like I had no like real, I had no sled. I had no, yeah. m- you know, the little miter. Th- I mean, it, there, it was bare bones, bare bones. I bought
0: a uh, real fancy, was it Incra, you know, micro table saw sled black oh, Friday yeah. last year. And it's still leaning up against the wall and all the pieces that it came in when I bought it, <laughs> it was uh, it was one of those things. Rockler sends out like a 20% off coupon or something for black Friday and Mm -hmm. it wasn't excluded and they're a couple hundred bucks and so I'm like well yeah I'll I'll take a hundred dollars off this thing and uh, went and picked it up and the guy was like oh I I thought for sure I was going to tell you this coupon doesn't work I said nope man I'll take it and then I came home and never put it together I've heard they're good though
2: Hmm.
0: yeah I need to put it together before I drop any more stuff on it and dent it up and and mess it up
2: or just ship it to me if you're going to neglect it so badly just ship it to me I'll put it to use (laughs) Thank you
0: so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a review and subscribe. If you'd like to reach out to us, or if you know of a maker with a fantastic project that deserves a deep dive, send us a message on Instagram at Making Our Way Podcast. You can find all of our latest individual content on Instagram and YouTube. Austin is at High Caliber Craftsman. Christy can be found at Twisted Twine Woodworking. And I'm at Dean underscore Thanks again, friends. And I wanted to share with all the listeners a toy fundraiser that I'm doing for this holiday season. Every year, my wife and I make a trip to the store and we fill a basket up for Toys for Tots. This year, I want the maker community to help me take it up a notch. So my challenge to you, for every maker that makes and sends me an original ornament for my shop tree, I'll donate a toy. 20 makers, 20 ornaments, 20 toys. 50 makers, 50 toys. The only criteria for your ornament contribution is that you make it. It doesn't need to be anything fancy. Just think ornament. I don't care if it's wood, leather, paper, or plastic. One ornament per maker, please. I'll post your ornament in my stories and make a highlight where I'll update them as I buy toys. I'm going to run this from September 15th through December 15th. Feel free to share this with any of your friends. Make me spend some money. DM me on Instagram if you want to participate and if you're looking for my address or if you just have any questions. Take care and thank you so much for considering participation.